This is um, Dennis O'Neill. This is Musician Backstory Beat. My guest today is Ivan Cisternis. He's been playing guitar for over 35 years. A very accomplished guitarist. And right now, currently in two bands, two um, tribute bands. One is Into the Void, which is a uh, Black Sabbath tribute band. And then we also have um, Sanctuary, which is actually a um, Iron Maiden tribute band. That's it. So, oh, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. Oh, no problem, Dad. It's my pleasure. So, um, you live you live in um, where? You live in uh, New Jersey. Yeah, we're in Ringwood. <laughs> Ringwood. I forgot. It took me two hours to get here, so it took me three hours to get to Massachusetts. So. I don't understand how that could happen, but it's I funny. It's all the highways, New Jersey highways, the land of no left turns. It could be, but I didn't have to pay any tolls or anything like that, so it wasn't too bad. So usually we like to start at the beginning. So um, how long ago did you start playing exactly? How old were you? And um, for people who don't know, just fill us in. Give us a little background. Kind sure, of. no problem. Um I got my first guitar when I was 13. Okay. Uh, it's funny because it was a, a cheap acoustic that uh, I just tore to shreds. <laughs> uh, so that's where I started. I got my first electric maybe a year later. And again, it was like something from the mall, like a cheap Les Paul copy. And that's kind of where it all began, you know? Les Paul copy? Yeah. Like, um, I don't even remember the brands back then. Like, uh, yeah, I have no idea. It was just like a complete unknown. Just It looked like a Les Paul, and that's when my parents got me. <laughs> so that was your first electric, the Les that Paul? That was the first electric, yep. Yeah, Les Paul is... The, I was, I'm was. i mostly a Les Paul player. I only started with the Strats like years later. Like, okay. You know, it's a... I don't know. Maybe it's a Jimmy Page thing or something. I don't know. But Les Paul was my first love, as my wife calls it. Okay. So uh, did you take lessons like when you started no uh, no I never took any official lessons uh my father's friend was a musician actually two of my father's friends were musicians one was a really good piano player and the other one was a good uh guitar player and um he gave me like a handful of like silly little like you know lessons but that was about it most of it is uh you know I bought a couple books um like Jimi Hendrix note for note Led Zeppelin complete, uh, Doors book, you know, and, and I and I learned through that, and um, and that's how I I just basically taught myself from then on. So really, a handful of like you know, here's an A chord, here's an E string, and then it was just books and just jamming and fiddling from that moment on. Right. So um, you were thirteen. So did you? How long before did you get into a band? Like soon after that, or just played on your own? No. Uh, Pretty much, um, as soon as I started playing, like like my friends also started playing. So basically, a few of us would jam in my friend's attic, <laughs> like every weekend. Uh, the funny thing is, we never had a bass player or a singer. <laughs> it was just a drummer and two guitarists upstairs in his attic playing everything from Sabbath and Zeppelin, and uh, we were really into. The Clash, uh, Sex Pistols, uh, and just just a wide variety of crap, but always heavy, always the heavier, like right. raunchy stuff, you know. 
So it was always like hard rock, like Led Zeppelin. Pretty much, yep. Zeppelin, Deep Purple, you know, Deep Purple. Hendrix, you know, anything that had balls <laughs> for the okay. most part. So who who was your biggest influence back then, would you say? Uh, that's a hard one. I was thinking about this earlier. Uh, I would say that I started playing guitar because of Hendrix. When I was like real young and I saw Woodstock, and I saw Hendrix do his performance, at, you know, I was like, oh man, I want to do that. But that was way before I had a guitar. By the time I actually got around to having a guitar in my hands, the things that were probably inspiring me most were actually things like Kiss, you know, um, right. things like that. Uh, and then again, the Les Paul, I think the reason I got the Les Paul was because of Jimmy Page, you know, plain and simple. Um, and I was thinking about this earlier, too. I actually, I think besides Jimmy Page, the only other person I knew who played the Les Paul was actually Jeff Beck. My oh, parents right. had uh, the Jeff Beck Wired album. And if you know that album cover, it's Jeff Beck playing the Les Paul. Okay. And, and again, just those, it was a lot of imagery involved. Like, that's just a cool look. And Jimmy Page, the Les Paul, to me, the Les Paul was just like the most perfect looking, like, guitar you know okay. so that influenced me as far as the guitar I, I bought who inspired me again jimmy hendrix would probably be at the top but again we're talking 1980 so i mean van halen inspired me in the whole and that's you know 80s when the 80s took off it was just like an explosion of like everything but i would say jimmy hendrix is my uh spiritual you know inspiration so when the first moment you saw Hendrix, it was a, the Woodstock, uh, yeah. that film? Yeah, where he does Star Spangled Banner and uh, all that stuff, yep. So, um, did you um, think you were going to be a musician at this time, or you weren't sure? Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to, I, you know what, I guess when you think about it, when I think about it, yeah, I, I definitely wanted to, to play in some form or another. Um, yeah, I definitely wanted to play. There was no doubt about it, you know? But it's Jimi Hendrix that probably was your main influence, or was it Jimmy Page then? Well, again, it, it, it depends on, you know, from a visual, you know, ethereal thing, definitely Jimi Hendrix. From an actual playing style, uh, you know, I started with Zeppelin and Sabbath. So those two oh. were the big things. Uh, the Doors, Hendrix, all that was there. But again, it was 1980. So the thing about 1980s, when that's when like everything blew up. You know, you had New Wave, Punk. Punk was around, some New Wave was around. But 1980 was, you know, is a great year for music. You know, Back in Black, you know, the ACDC, you know, comeback you know, uh, album, you know, right. Ozzy came out, Randy Rhodes, Van Halen, we all knew about. So everything, everything, really like everything, metal, hip hop, new wave, all that was exploded in 1980. And even though, like I said, I mean, I'm a classic rocker. I grew up on AM radio, you know, I grew up on everything from the Beatles to like four seasons to like classical to Elvis and all that. But when it came to the guitar and actually having a guitar in my hand and what I played, it went from like Zeppelin and Sabbath and quickly mutated into Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden um, and so on, you know. And again, it all had to do with being 1980, which is like an explosion, Ozzy and Randy. And then and then I discovered things like Thin Lizzy. And I mean, you know, it's endless. You know, it was just an explosion. And like having that guitar in my hand, like finally allowed me to say, oh, I like that song. Let me learn it, <laughs> you know, right. and so on and so on. So, you know, so what was the question again? <laughs> 
Um, Jimi Hendrix expired you, but then the 80s seemed to come along. and Yeah, the 80s definitely defined me as far as what I was actually playing. Yeah. Right. So it, it, you definitely gravitated towards metal, you're saying? Among other things. Uh, you know, and I, I mean, I consider myself primarily a classic rock guy because that's like okay. my earliest, earliest stuff. I would say that's the foundation. Metal and guitar playing just were, were were wed together at that point, you know, and, and, and that inspired me. Again, Randy Rose had a lot of neoclassical stuff. Uh, Richie Blackmore and all these guys were using these neoclassical stuff. So, I mean, I expanded beyond metal, right. but metal definitely um, was where I wanted to be as far as guitar playing. I wanted to be like Ingve, like Satriani, like Vi and all that. All these guys that were coming up through the 80s, I wanted to be like, you know, uh, Megadeth, you know, and, and I, okay. I was just into that. The thing is, though, uh, just a tangent a little bit, uh, it was kind of hard where I grew up to actually be a metalhead because, like I said, I grew up in a, well, I grew up in an all-Irish Scottish town that were all very uh, classic rock-only kind of guys. Where are you from, actually? Actually, I, I, was, I grew up in Kearney, New Jersey. Okay. <laughs> I grew up in Kearney, and... Uh, it was, you know, typical working class thing. But classic rock pretty much was the, the norm. Okay. And to go outside of them, if you grew up in the 80s, that's what the 80s was like. If you, I don't know how old you are um, right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean... Yeah, the 80s were very, you know, compartmentalized. So you had your nerds, you had your burnouts, you had your jocks, you had your guidos, you had, you know... <laughs> everyone got together and got along and, 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 and pretty much party, but that was about it. You know what I mean? There wasn't like... And, and, and music was no different. So, like, I remember, like, being into, like, Gary Newman, right? Gary Newman cars. Cars? Came. Okay. Yeah. And, and I know this sounds funny coming from a metalhead, but, you know, it's hard. I don't like labels too much. I say metalhead, but really, I love music. And, and, and I, when Cars came out, to me, right. it was like the vision of the future. You know what I mean? And that's really? just how I took it. I'm like, wow, this is just so far ahead of everything else. Not okay. in any quantitative, qualitative way, just like in, in an ethereal kind of way. So that kind of describes me, you know. So metal definitely is what I like to play, but that doesn't mean that that's the only thing I like. You okay. know what I mean? I like everything. And uh, and in the 80s, growing up in Carney, it was a little difficult to like, you know, wave around my metal banner. You know what I mean? I love okay. metal. But it, it I, I wasn't. I didn't dress like a metalhead. I was a straight up like classic rock, typical white boy burnout. Like, you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, so there was a lot of that funny political stuff going on in the eighties. But uh, right. You know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what What was your real first band then? Was that in the eighties? Uh, you know, I barely even remember. Uh, <laughs> actually, when it comes to those those years. It was just, you know, like I said, it was me and a couple of friends okay. for Rock years thing. just jamming, writing our own things. I, I was an original kind of guy right okay. from the get-go. Oh. Um, but like I said, we didn't have a bass player. We didn't have a singer. And, and we were too damn stoned to go out and do anything <laughs> about it. So years just kind of went by before I finally got with some other friends, same town. And actually, I actually played bass. And the first band that I actually gigged with, I was actually playing bass. Really? Yeah. You know, and we were doing, you know, all at the time it was like Alice in Chains was, you oh, know, wow. all Pearl Jam, but Zeppelin, Sabbath, Guns N' Roses, that, you know, 
the whole Aerosmith, the whole classic rock, you know, genre kind of thing, you know. Okay. So like those first few years, I you know I could say they were a band, but like I said, we never really did much of anything. Did you have a name, or can you remember? I think we we threw around a couple names. One of them that me and the drummer, me and the drummer were like really the only members in the band at the at the end. Okay. <laughs> And, you know, we had all these ideas and, and he became a voracious writer. Uh, and I'm not I, I'm not a lyricist, you know, so he had that advantage over me. But uh, <laughs> it was us two. And I remember at one point I threw out the name. Uh, I think it was Modus Operandi. Modus Operandi. Okay. <laughs> Which is um, a method- crime novel. No. <laughs> yeah, right. It was, it was a crime based. Uh, okay. band. Go ahead. <laughs> I think it meant uh, method of operation. Okay. So right. I don't know where the hell that came from. I must have been reading some weird Latin friggin' book or something. I don't know, but that was the only name. Uh, and then that was it. Like I said, after that, by late '80s, you know, I just played with some other guys and started. I started playing bass. But originally, bass, yeah. Yeah. Originally, I, I wasn't interested in the whole cover scene. Not until like much later, actually. You know. So you said you were original guy. I read that somewhere. Were you doing original music before all this? You know, never publicly. No, <laughs> no, unfortunately, yeah. But you have a lot of backlog of stuff, or I had. <laughs> you had. You know, the funny thing is, in those days, um, so th- at one point it was there was I we I got together with a couple guys, and uh, it was the same the same thing. You know, we went into the studio. Had a case of beer, a bunch of weed, and we would play for hours and hours. And and my the, my the bassist Carter would always bring a tape player, and we would listen to them afterward. Like, oh, that sounds good. That could be a song, you know. Okay. But again, it, we were really just literally too stoned and having too much fun. It was all improv, you know. And that's what right. I was like I said because it wasn't just metal. Metal actually inspired me to get into more classical and into jazz, jazz fusion in particular. Oh, right. So by the time the 90s hit, it was just like all out experimentation for me and a couple guys. But, you know, like I said, and it was great. Definitely the best learning experience I had to just like wing it, you know, give me a key. C, great. Give me a beat. We got it. Let's go. You know, just add water and jam. And we would just do that for hours, you know. But the moment... (laughs) So screwed up, musicians, man. But the moment we actually said, "Hey, you know, let's let's actually take this and like maybe try to make a song," and yeah, and we we auditioned a couple guys to sing, right? And it that's when it fell apart because <laughs> you took the you took the inspiration and and the um, you know, the excitement of innovation in the moment away, and it just became like a business, you know. It be, I don't know. I I mean, that's the best way I could put it, but. Like, yeah, for whatever reason, I just had a hard time getting, like, a band. And, and, but again, it had a lot to do with the fact that we were uh, more interested in just playing and getting stoned, <laughs> you know? So if it wasn't for the cover scene, I probably wouldn't, you know... I mean, I'm doing my own thing in my basement and stuff, and I've hopefully put out some stuff. I mean, I've been writing more and more over the years. Right. But um, as far as getting the band together, it, it, it's, been, it's, been, it's been tough. Musicians are tough. Right. Finding the right guys, you know, especially when you're talking about, you know, the kind of stuff that I'd like to write is more progressive, you know, uh, and and to try to find the right guys to that is very difficult. What kind of music would you like to write? You're saying jazz fusion or? Oh, well, jazz fusion might be, I wouldn't say a stretch, but 
like Jeff Beck isn't he considered yeah yeah you know Fusion E Fusion E <laughs> or, or anywhere between Jeff Beck and Dream Theater you know Dream Theater you know things like that uh, Dream Theater is over the top uh, you know uh, but if I had the right guys yeah I would I would I would indulge in that but yeah progressive you know um, and I know that's like a, a anyone there's a whole bunch of bands that you know can be labeled progressive but I'm you know I'm talking more along the lines leaning towards jazz fusion you know, okay. like put put it this way. Um, what's uh, that Megadeth album? Uh, you know, with Hangar Eighteen. Uh, okay, Hangar Eighteen. Yeah, like that album. Dave Mustaine. Yeah, yeah, that album to me is like the epitome of progressive metal in the eighties. Like that, right. that set the bar for every band after that. I think so. To uh, not just be a bunch of metalheads thrashing around and stuff, but now to actually be musical and thrashing around. Right. You know, and, and that's kind of like where I want to take off. That's what I w- would like to use as my foundation. So, I mean, it's funny because when you sit down and you're, and you're writing tunes, you never know what comes out. But I know that if I, ha- if I could like harness that better with more time, because, you know, when you got a nine to five, it's hard to do all this. But right. if I had the time and, and I do plan on putting more time into it, that's what I would harness it towards, like you know, more along that lines. Anything from you know, Megadethy. Megadethy. Are you? This is off topic. Metallica or Megadeth? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Are they just? I would rash? say, as far as musicianship, Megadeth by far. Definitely. I would say, as far as iconic classic tunes, that's a hard one because Metallica definitely has some great iconic tunes in those first few albums. But oh, yeah. uh, as but if I were to look at it from a musical perspective, yeah, Megadeth all the way. <laughs> so that's kind of where you would go. That's is that yeah. like considered thrash or thrash? No? Sure, yeah, definitely thrash. Right, definitely. Yeah. I I'd like. To, I, I'm going to say if, if I whatever I put out is going to be more like a progressive thrash. But that's just one angle. I mean, that's right. just one thing. I there, you know I I would like to do like more of a classic rock album as well. Maybe even an acoustic album. But my focus for for a couple of years has been to try to get that progressive metal album out, you know. Okay. Do you play any other instruments besides? Yeah, pretty much whatever I can get my hands on and play with. Uh, like I said, I play bass. You know, bass. Uh, I actually we actually had a jazz trio among many other things that I've done throughout the years. Uh, and um, and I play jazz bass. My friend Raul on drums and his brother on piano. And then we had this guy Joe Piella on piano. And we did a lot of like, you know, we even did like the uh, did it, it, did it, it, did <laughs> the Peanuts theme, <laughs> a really? jazzed up version of the Peanuts. Oh, Schroeder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I mean, I can play some keys. I'm no, you know, I can't, you know, whatever. Um, acoustic. I, I'd love to have a sitar. I have a couple other weird, oh, really, you know, little instruments. Uh, but pretty much anything string, I know I can do it. Right. You know, once I know the tuning, I have a ukulele, I have a, a South American you know, like ten string guitar. Um, so anything stringed, I know I can do it. You know. So um, you could pick up any instrument. You, you could figure it out. You're thinking. You're saying. For the most part, I mean, as long as it's within the same tactile environment of like fingers to string. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, flutes and stuff like that. I've tried. No, no not not very Trumpet. good at that. No, <laughs> no. I would. Lo- I wish I could play sax, but no. Uh, drums, I can oh, yeah, keep drums. a beat, um, but I wouldn't go beyond that. Uh, I, I I usually program drums or, or use loops and stuff that I have uh, okay. put out on online. Uh, percussion, that's a different story. 
another thing that I've gotten into was like, you know, Middle Eastern, like uh, belly dance stuff. I was actually in a belly dance band at one point. No way. <laughs> I've, been, I've been a lot of weird shit, man. Belly dance band? So yes. Yes. And Where uh, did they play? <laughs> some weird shit. <laughs> You play in a restaurant or it, like? Well, you know the funny thing is Middle uh, East. The thing is, I quit before we did our first show. Oh, <laughs> but tell we us did. About it. We did. So, there's actually, you know what? If you listen to like a lot of metal, if you listen to a lot of like, um, you know, classical Middle Eastern, right? You know, Hindu ragas. All that stuff has made it into you know modern Western music. The Beatles used it. Um, okay. Anything that's neoclassical actually has a middle Middle Eastern influence. You know the way right. them, you know the harmonic minor scales and the Neoplatonic scales and all these okay. weird scales. That a lot of that is influenced by you know the Middle East and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, you can hear it. You can hear it. You know, and and when I was actually in that band, um, there was actually a couple songs that I could really get behind. You know what I mean? Because it was dark and droney and like. Had all that stuff. I'm like, wow, yeah. You know? <laughs> I could definitely see Ingve Malmsteen ripping all over this kind of thinking. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could see Marty Friedman just like ripping. You know what I mean? So it's again, it, it's you know, when you love music, like I, I, I see this everywhere. You know what I mean? And everything, like you know, 1966 Beatles. You know, it was like with the sitar playing. Like I never forgot that. George and Harris. I heard that when I was like six, seven years old. You know what I mean? I heard the Beatles and Within, Without You and those weird Indian scales. So, yeah. you know, and in metal, and this is what I think a lot of my friends missed the point of back in the day. There's much more to metal than just, you know, a straight one, four, five and, and fast beats. I mean, there's a right. lot of, a lot of emotional content in there. You know, the way those Egyptian scales and neoclassical, you know, like, right. you know, uh, who was it that's really into Paganini? Ingve. Uh, Ingve. You know, I mean, all those elements are in there, and, and I think a lot of the people that I grew up with like never fully understood that, you know. And um, so metal has always been my um, my escape valve. You know, it was the first thing that allowed me to say, ah, you know, I love the Clash, I love Zeppelin and Sabbath, but check this shit out. You know <laughs> what I mean? Right. Like, this is just so cool. You know, and and, and that's you know. I don't even know where to go from there. <laughs> okay. So when did you know that you were going to be a musician? When is the first that this is your profession? As far as a profession, like I said, I would have liked to have done it earlier. Um, and there was a, 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 a... Here's a little caveat. The 90s are a big blur to me. <laughs> so How let's just <laughs> let's just say that the 90s was a chemically induced fog. <laughs> when I got out of the fog, and uh, I kind of got my head together again, and... Uh, you know, I started focusing on, yeah, maybe I should get a nine to five and, and be like a normal human being. You know, uh, I bought because I'd sold my stuff, you know, the, one of those tragic, typical Jersey, you know, kind of stories. You know, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Okay. So I started getting instruments again. I bought another Les Paul. Uh, I built a Strat. I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm going to get involved. And this is where the whole cover scene came into the picture. Okay. I'm going to get back involved, and it just seemed to me the easiest way to do it is like, let me find a couple of cover bands, tribute bands, whatever it is, and put myself out there. And the goal for the last almost 20 years since I did that has been to pretty much uh, find like-minded musicians that I can get get with, you know, to write, you know. Okay. Uh, 
and that's when I, I I would say that my whole idea of like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go for making money off of this started. Right. So obviously I haven't done too good. <laughs> well, I don't know how is the tribute circuit. <laughs> you know, I I do love it. I I I, I absolutely love it. Uh, here's the thing that I've learned, and for anyone out there who's struggling with bands and 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 doesn't know where to go, I can say this. Um, all those cover bands are all. How should I put it? Uh, they all come with little quirks that, you know, and you never know. I've played with bands with girl singers. I've played in bands with idiotic drunks. I've played in bands with backstabbing <laughs> jackasses. Every band is a drama. The one difference for me was when I started doing the whole tribute thing, instead of just generic bands, I mean, I was doing Top 40, you know, everything from Tom Petty and all that. Right. You know, Q1043, repetitive, every day you hear the same shit kind of band. Oh, that drove me nuts. I stuck with it because the money was good. Okay. But um, the thing that I really, really dig about tributes is, like, you're playing to an audience of people who are there to see and hear the band... Uh, uh, I'm sorry... To listen to the music of a band that they actually love. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like playing in a top 40 band or whatever kind of band and just going out and playing generic, you know, songs from a thousand different bands. And, you know, because most of the crowd is just looking. It's just a meat market. It's just guys getting out to get drunk and get laid. <laughs> they don't really care what you're playing. You know, the whole tribute thing is is completely the opposite because when, when I'm playing with Into the Void, or with Sanctuary, and we play the hits, we play War Pigs, or we play The Trooper, or whatever it is, the people respond. The people are into it. Okay. And and that, to me, made all the difference. I was actually in an ACDC tribute band before these two bands. And again, right. it was just another one of those failed bands that we did a couple shows and then fell apart. There's a lot of those in my life. <laughs> um, and it ain't my fault, right off the bat. I'm telling you, it ain't my fault. But, <laughs> Never. <laughs> but... Uh, that's the thing that's that's kept me that's all i i mean i i could see myself doing a generic cover thing but my i definitely love what i'm doing i love playing sabbath to people who love sabbath i love playing maiden to people who love maiden i was in a megadeth tribute band and again it was just amazing to like play not only songs that i absolutely love like hangar 18 and holy wars and you know tornado and all that stuff it was great to hear the people like doom 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 mega death you know just like riding your every note you know riding your every nuance you know and just that energy the exchange is like way superior to anything you could find just playing you know your typical classic rock set at a biker bar or or whatever you know what i mean yes so yeah what was the question again <laughs> talking about tribute bands why you like them and yeah, I love them, love them. But it used to be cover bands. Now it's all tribute bands. Is that true? It seems no, like... I don't think so. I think there's plenty of cover bands out there. I mean, I don't really keep up with it too much. I'm not like a Facebook guy, social media guy all that much. But what I have seen over the years is like, that stuff won't go away. I mean, the top 40 bands, unfortunately, right. still dominates a lot of the uh, better playing, bigger clubs, unfortunately. You know, so it, it, it's it's a travesty if you ask me, because bands like ours, like Into the Void, Sanctuary, and all these other tributes out there, you know, you're, you're talking about a bunch of guys who who generally love what they're playing, whatever 
tribute they're doing a tribute to, right. you know that these people, if they're doing an ACDC tribute, I can guarantee you they love ACDC. Right. And I there's a lot of people that love ACDC, but the clubs are a bunch of jerk-offs. So, <laughs> so they're going to hire these, you know, 20-something looking pretty boys who play, you know, whatever is, is you know, the Blink-182s and all that stuff. And, and it really okay. ruins it for the rest of us right. who are like, you know, I think providing much more of an experience than, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's I, I'm very prejudiced towards that the whole scene because I did it for years, you know. And, and you know, the whole tribute thing just to me just represents so much more. It's better for music these tribute bands. You think? I don't know about the industry. The industry probably will never change. Uh, I know that there's some tribute bands out there that are making tons of money. We ain't one of them, unfortunately. But right. you know, there is definitely a market for it. But you have to be able to go that extra mile and like wear a wig and and wear the spandex and you know and that whole bit. And so far, luckily or unluckily, none of the bands are I'm in are uh, about to do that. You know. So would you like put on all this stuff? Well, I knew you were gonna go there. Actually, when I was in the ACDC tribute band, I did wear the uh, schoolboy outfit. Oh, no, really? And I did the duck walk, and I did that whole bit with my SG. Yeah, I I went around in a circle. I didn't do the the floor, yeah, circling on the floor thing. But yeah, I I played the whole fucking night. Sorry. That's right. We could. You can edit it. I played the whole night. Bopping back and forth, one knee up, one oh, yeah. knee down. But oh my god, I, I, I end of the night, I, I'm like a big sweaty mess. <laughs> I am too old for that now. <laughs> so yeah, I've done it. <laughs> Do you think there's too many tribute bands? There seems like a lot out there. Is it oversaturated? Uh, I think yeah. No, in the last I don't know how many years, there definitely has been an exponential increase in tribute bands. Definitely, no doubt about it. And and like I said, it's. I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it, but it is hard. It is hard, and, and and that's why, like, if you ask any of my band members in either band, like, you know, we're in multiple bands. Yes. You know what I mean? And and that's just kind of the thing you have to do. Unless you're in some really popular top 40 band that can take home, you know, two, three grand every weekend, really? you're going to do what we do, you know, and make not even half of that. And, and you know what I'm saying? So... Yeah, the, the the increase in tribute bands has made the playing field a little harder. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I, it's just hard, harder. It's just harder. I'm sure there's not very good ones out there too, and you know, mediocre. I've heard. <laughs> I've heard. I mean, not yours. I think the Black Sabbath one I saw is very good. You know, spot on. I would definitely. Yeah, say. I like them. <laughs> <laughs> you like them because you're in them, right? <laughs> So uh, the music business in general, it's not too uh, generous, you're, you're kind of saying? No, no. I mean, listen, Around here, when I, I played 20-something years ago, 30 years ago, whatever it was, in a bar, you know, and, you know, things are relative. You know, you'd get a decent paycheck or whatever. You know, the door was, you know, all your friends, especially when you're doing a local thing like I did back in those days. You know, the place was packed. Your friends would come and the bar tender would give you a case of nips at the end of the night and they appreciated you. Now, I mean, it, it, it's it's just not the same. Now, it's all about the, the, the number of heads you get. And, and it's a business. You know, you got to understand. It's definitely a business. I don't hold it against them. Right. But, you know, at the same time, you know, and it's not like, you know, we want nothing for free. It, it, what people seem to miss is like, especially in Sanctuary, 
All right. So in Sanctuary, the singer lives in PA. The one guitarist lives up by Poughkeepsie. I live here, like, you know, New Jersey, New York border. The drummer lives down by the shore. So when we do a gig, one of us is traveling three, four hours. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So my whole beef is like, listen, we're all putting in an effort, putting hours and hours of work to drive to the location, get there early, set up if we're lucky, do a sound check, wait around to the first band or two to play, and then we go on. And then break everything down, drive two, three hours home. You know, it's a long day. I mean, we really, you know, if it was a regular eight to five job, it's not that great a paying job, really. Okay. You know, so my whole beef is like, you know, I wish like club owners and bar owners would take that into account. And more often than not, they don't. You know, they don't. There's, it's very rare that you find a bar that actually appreciates and will, will hook you up with a hotel room or two. Um, you know, give you a meal or free drinks. You know, that was the norm back in the day. Really? You know what I mean? You'd get free beer, blah, blah, blah. I mean, back in the 80s, 90s, like, you know, people treated you a lot better at the bars. Bar owners, like, you know, but now it's like, if you only got 20, 30 people, you know, they're going to try to friggin', you know, cut your pay in half, you know, and it's just, uh, it can be frustrating. But again, I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't know that the people that come see us, and we see a lot of the same faces over and over again, okay, from yeah. state to state even. You right. know, I've seen people go to you know Connecticut, Massachusetts, and then see us in Jersey. You know what I mean? Okay. And that to me is inspiring. And again, it's, it's a big difference between tributes and your generic covers. And, you know, we just pretty much keep like hoping <laughs> that some agency will sign us and get and start booking shows for us. But until then... We're going to, you know, keep, you know, grinding away and, right. and, and haggling with the bartender, I mean, bar owners. And, and you, know, you know, again, if they would only consider what we had to go through, that'd be great. But until then, you know, we just have to haggle. <laughs> right. So you got to be in two and three bands, like even. Well, survive. I mean, I got a day job. I do have a day job. Oh, you do? You know, um, but, you know, if, if I had my way, yeah, I would just play. I would just play, okay. but I, in order in order to do that in this day and age, I would either have to dress up and wear a wig and do whatever and make big <laughs> money, or get in multiple bands, and that's the path I'm on. You right, know? you will not wear a wig. I, no <laughs> one's no one's no one's offered me a good enough deal yet. <laughs> Maybe you don't have to wear a wig. Hey, I got plenty of hair. We can we could always dye it. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to dye it or something. That's it, right? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Just gotta dye it. But no spandex. <laughs> no spandex. No spandex. You gotta have spandex. You won't wear makeup either. <laughs> no, no, no. And besides, my wife will probably kill me anyway if I did all that. <laughs> really? So this touring—it's pretty much a grind with these bands, right? Um. Well, yeah. When we're busy, it is. Luckily, we luckily or unluckily, we don't play that often. But I mean, you know, I could I could play three, four shows a month, uh, maybe five when we're lucky. So it's not that bad, but you know, again, you're talking long nights. You know, I don't. I, right. Last time I played, I, I think I got home at like four in the morning. You know what I mean? I left the house at four in the afternoon, like a twelve-hour day. You know what I mean? And I, again, I mean, if if we didn't love it, believe me, none of us would be doing this. We love it. We love it. And at the end of the day, we make a couple bucks. You know, we pay our gas, we pay our tolls, got a couple bucks, lunch money, maybe a good meal. So, you know, don't don't think for a second that we're we're not enjoying what we're doing. I don't want to sound like I'm just complaining and complaining, okay. but you know, you asked about the business and and when when you when you think about the right. business, you know, 
Oh, I'm sorry. Right. When you think about the business, yeah, it can be depressing. So I, I don't focus on that. You know what I mean? Right. But I'm telling you what, how I feel about it, no doubt. But, you know, again, it's like I love seeing those faces light up when we bust into like a great song. You know, I love doing a solo and nailing it and then looking at the crowd and seeing everyone like, yeah, you know. Right. So there's, you know, that still trumps everything. Right. The know? moments on stage... Forget yeah, about still all the Trump. hassle part. And, and, and I think that, that needs to be said. You would, I don't think anyone would do what I do or what people like me do in their right mind <laughs> if okay. they didn't love it. You know? And I'm talking like, you know, I don't drink anymore. Okay. When I did, it was mayhem. <laughs> you know what I mean? But now that I, you know, I don't, I don't party, I don't do anything like that, you know. Okay. I couldn't. But yeah, if you're like twenty something and you're looking to get in a band, man, you 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 better love it because there's just a lot of craziness comes along with it. You know, I played in CBGBs, for example. Oh, CBGBs, New York. Yes, loved it. You know, and and there's a couple things about it that really like. You know, you talked before about when you want to want to like when you thought about doing a career. So this is actually late nineties. This is before I got. So this is when. You're telling me now that you thought about becoming a musician? This right before. Right, right before. This is right before. A couple of years before, I finally decided to, 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 with my plan of like, let me get in covers and let me see where that takes me. You know, let me try to okay. like, you know, uh, recruit people. This is before that. I was actually in a Gabber band. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. A Gabber band. What is that? <laughs> yeah. Um, at the moment, I, I at the moment it came to me, I had no idea. And then I'm like, yeah, it sounds cool. Let's do it. And I heard it. Basically, put it this way. It's like house music on crack. All right? So <laughs> it's like an 808 electronic drum thing on a heavily dis- being heavily distorted and, and pounding at 240 BPM. It's just this heavy, crazy. Like rave or something almost? No. It, well, rave would be docile compared to Gabber. Gabber is like rave on on, on steroids. I heard it was, it's not like industrial music. Or is it's it? heavier than industrial. So industrial ha- had its thing, like bands like Ministry. I actually listened to the one guy you were talking to. Oh, yeah, to. he's really... Really into... And so like crap. industrial, it's not that. Believe me, Gabber okay. is not that. Gabber is just like... It's like... And the reason I dug it, the reason I, I agreed to it is because it, it has like this dark heaviness to it so if you listen to europeans any good european gabber kind of music it's really dark evil like satanic just really horribly <laughs> like yeah it was really cool that's really cool <laughs> so he survived go ahead so so i'm like yeah i can get behind this you know and and the guy that i played was rob, rob g he was actually rob g well, i was gonna yeah, ask you about him yeah he's very well known and, and you know a little background of rob g the way go he ahead. got into the business as far as he told me the story he told me at limelight in new york and everyone's been to limelight i'm sure you've heard of it you know back in the day they used to have djs and you know limelight was just like the place to be in the city and uh, they had DJs, and, and, and the way he describes it to me, just to give you a little background, okay. he, um, one of the DJs got off, and before the other DJ got up on stage, he took his shit, got right up on there, set up, and the guy's like, yo, yo, who are you? He's like, yo, I'm Rob G. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy was all confused, and before you knew it, he, there he was spinning, and, and like, they just let him play. Really? Basically, what he did was he took like Metallica loops, you know, like thrash loops, okay. and mixed it with like the Gabber beat. The Gabber right? beat. Yeah, it's like, like really pounding, super distorted, like 808 kick drum. And, and you know, 
And it really like made a splash, you know. So that's who Rob G was. And when he described all that to me, I'm like, yeah, I can get behind that. You know, I'll do some metal guitar. And that's basically what we did. We just, you know, he had like these songs with that, you know, beat, that hardcore like, you know, sound. And I added Thrasher guitar to it. Okay. And it was kind of cool. It was kind of cool. <laughs> well, I'm an ass. Yeah, I'm an ass because I screwed that up too. <laughs> okay. But that was Gabber and... um and what did, how did I get on this? Now, wait a minute. Yeah, we're talking about Gabber music. Now, I read you played in the Netherlands to do this yes. or something? Yes. Oh, oh, oh now Is I remember. That's the same. This. That's the same. Well, I, this was all about CBGBs. Oh, CBGBs. Let me get back to the CBGBs. Do the CBGBs. And then I'll tell you about the Netherlands. And then we'll go into the other So one. basically, one of the first shows, or second or third show we did, I forget, uh, we went to CBGBs. We played there twice. Okay. And I'll never forget because I've been in CBGBs in the past. Right, but for the Ramones. Never to play. And yeah, I barely remember. All I know is CBG's freaking disgusting. But it's CBG's, man. <laughs> you had to crawl through a, like a thing. Was that the one? No. What? You had to crawl through a thing to get inside there? No, that's not... No, I don't, right, man, I'm I don't remember crawling. I mean, I, I probably was, but I don't remember okay. crawling to Go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you. Anyway. <laughs> Go ahead. So we get there, and actually me and my wife, she was with me. Oh, okay. And um, before we got married... Right, and uh, I go in, you know, I, I and I got my, you know, loaded my stuff in, and I go up to the bar, and I'm like, yeah, let me get a ginger ale, and and, and the wife will have a soda. And so the guy goes, gets a drink, comes back, and, and I'm, you know, my wife has her soda. I got my ginger ale. I go look in it, and there's a friggin' like two inch cockroach in there. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I have arrived. I am home. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's how I felt about it. That's okay, how I, I'm like, yes, this is it, man. This is what it's all about. You know, of course, I returned it. But uh, later that night, we get up, we're on, we're on stage playing. You know, there's just this, this thing about like the nitty gritty, you know, it's metal evokes that in, in a loving way. Okay. All that, you know, the shadow of, of ourselves, like it, to me, it's like beautiful when seen in the right perspective and metal always did that for me. But anyway, and, and this was another like, example. So we're playing and next thing you know, this like 300 pound fella gets up on the stage while we're playing strips all his clothes off he's no. butt naked and he's just standing up there cross armed like a friggin sentry at a gate and and we're just looking at each other we're playing like what the hell okay <laughs> and next thing you know they like three or four security guards it took to get to get this guy off the stage right. and again it was just one of those things where like that made my night man really that just made my night i'm like yes beautiful you my know? people <laughs> yeah no i mean you know I, I, I don't believe in you know putting errors you know like everyone's got to be crazy to survive nowadays but when you see it in that beautiful glorious unabashed <laughs> unashamed presentation I, I love it I absolutely love it now as far as the Netherlands okay this so is the Gabber this is still with the Gabber band was and the Gabber CBGBs or that was uh, another band that was that was with the with the I played another with other bands in the city but that was CBGBs with the Gabber band okay. So in the Netherlands, that was really cool because that was like the biggest audience I played to. It was like this. If you've ever seen like anything online about like those European festivals, they're freaking yeah, huge. Okay. You know? So this was like one of those kind of things. It was actually like the venue itself was like this like airplane hangar kind of thing that would have fit okay. like four or five 747s in it. It's huge. Really? They actually had like a little Ferris wheel in there. They had this big eating area and they had like three little caves and it was just really weird and dark and there was several thousand kids so i was like yeah hell yeah i'll do it let's go you know okay and um 
And I remember getting up on stage and I couldn't see shit. <laughs> I know there's a sea of people out there all screaming and stuff, but I couldn't see shit. Luckily, when the lights did go on and we're playing, like, you know, was, I could see these kids doing the pogo, which is like them bouncing up and down to our music. And it's just like, I was like, wow, what is this? He's like, yeah, that's the pogo. <laughs> the pogo. But that whole, that, whole, that whole experience was a trip because, again, I was sober and my bandmates were not. <laughs> really? Okay. You know, and... Uh, you know, so it's kind of weird going into like you know the bars there and and going to the back room and ordering like you know let me get a twenty of like you know sensimil or some you know and and having to roll it for these guys you right. know in these Cheech and Chong dis- rolling paper dispensers it was just surreal really oh. <laughs> because I'm sober I'm like I can't believe I'm, I'm rolling like this ten inch joint and I can't even smoke it ah you couldn't even smoke oh uh, you no I stayed sober I you're stayed straight sober. edge at this point yes by that I was I was yes I was sober yep but okay. uh damn I wish I wasn't because that if that was the only that would have been the place to like talk I mean we had, last we went time to red, we went to the red light district you know we checked it all out you know if, if I was gonna be like evil and sinful and just let my hair down that would have been it but whatever I guess uh, I'm the better man for it that's what I've been told <laughs> right this guy's really popular Duh. Well, I I haven't really talked to him much. I know he's um I don't even know if he still does a gabber. I think I did, he does. I was like he had a video or something. I was like looking this stuff up. Well, it's funny because like one of the things that kind of like made us part ways was like when I agreed to do it and I started getting into him with recording and stuff, I had a vision. I could see like where what we could do with this form of music. Uh and I wanted to make it more musical. More okay. band oriented, maybe still have those electronic, you know, elements, but vary it, you know. Yeah. Uh, like some of the songs we wrote would have that gabber. It's almost like you know, like you know the band Opeth. No. Opeth is a Norwegian. Oh wait, no, they are a metal band, right? Yes, they're a metal band. I'm not. Yeah, I have heard of them. Yeah, yeah. So basically, Opeth has like the whole Cookie Monster, like right. All right, the devil. And, but then they <laughs> they transition into like beautiful acoustic, beautiful really? singing. They have tremendous dynamics, you know what I'm saying, and I really, really love that about them. And when I was, what I was thinking of, I guess somehow in some way at the at the time with the Gabber thing is like, I was looking to do something like that. I'm like, all right, you know, this this element is cool, but let's throw in some other elements. As a matter right. of fact, I was validated in my own mind anyway when we <laughs> were doing that show in the Netherlands. There was other bands, and I remember one band came up. They were another Gabber band. Okay. And I could hear like the beat simultaneously with that hardcore pam pam pam. I could sense there was another rhythm underneath. And I'm like, this sounds like reggae. Okay. And I'm listening and my friend and I told the singer, the other singer, I'm like, Yeah, I could see this like this could be like reggae and he's like, No, no. Next thing you know, like thirty seconds later, it transitions into a straight up reggae. Really? Like that was actually part of their song. And I could sense that beat and then they went into it. I'm like, Ah <laughs> you see? And that's kind of where my head was at. It's like, I have no problem doing the Gabber element, but let's throw some other like stuff in there. Yeah, reggae or... Reggae. Actually, the, the one song that we wrote, he had that Gabber thing, and then he wanted a break, and I did more of like a hip-hop-y thing, like a funky hip-hop thing, you know? And then right back into the... Bam, 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 you know? Right. So I, that's the thing. I like variety. I like keeping people on their toes, you know? Keep making it interesting. And it didn't seem like he was ready to go in that direction. Now, where he is now over the last few years, I do know that he's tried a couple of things. He he actually played with the the one guy from um, oh, what the hell's the name of that band? System of a Down. 
Oh, right, yeah. I know that he was working with some guys. I know he's worked with the guys from Radiohead. Uh, not Radiohead. Um, uh, okay. Biohazard. That's what I meant. Biohazard. Yeah, so again, great 80s band. Yeah. So he's stayed in the scene, but I, me and him haven't really talked much. I think I seen him once like a year ago. It was the last time I saw him. So what, you parted ways? Um... Well, we parted ways, and then you know we've we've talked in the last couple of years once or twice. But you know he's doing his thing, I'm doing my thing. You know, it's just the you way couldn't it continue. You had like creative differences. Is that kind of how? No, nah, but that happens a lot. I mean, that's you know even like those couple guys I played with, you know, back in like you know in the very beginning. One of the reasons we stopped playing was again, like I wanted to do different things. Like I said, as time went on, I wanted to be more metal, progressive, jazzy, classical, whatever. You know, I didn't want to do Stones. I didn't want to do the Beatles. You know, no. and I wanted to do musically interesting, challenging, diverse things. Original, right? Original, yeah. But in metal or. Well, progressive. One, more that like that would be one of my uh, outlets. Yes, like I said, I, I, I have, I would, I would love to put out something more along the classic rock thing. So we'll see. Where I, right now, my studio is half built downstairs. So okay, it's a long, long process, unfortunately. And you need a drummer or something. <laughs> I, I, I need a whole band. You need a whole band. <laughs> well, no, I, I have people that, that that I'm gonna call on. You know, and they know who they are. Uh, it's just you know gonna take some time. I mean, you know, I'm house broke. You know what I mean? I'm house right. poor. But you have material. I saw something on Reverb Nation or something. Yes, yes. Those are little ideas that I kind of put together over the last several years. That uh, and, and if you read it, it's and I say in there, this is kind of just a glimpse, just a taste. That none of those songs are, in my opinion, completely done. Right. They're just like you know, some of those things are like. And this is the funny thing about writing, like. I don't know what I'm going to write, and that's why I can't say it'll be I'm going to be exclusively metal or exclusively classic rock or exclusively folk or whatever. It's just I get you know I get the guitar in my hand or a keyboard or a bass or whatever it is, and I just start noodling around until something catches my ear, and then I, I develop it. And most of the time, when I something like that catches me, like okay, I got this idea. Oh, it needs bass. And next thing you know, I'm circling through like a bass, and I'm programming a drum loop. Then I get the electric, and then I do the, and I just go through this process. And it'll take me like 24 hours or something like that. Okay. And that's and then I'm like, that's where I, I that's as far as I can get. I'm as far as I want, <laughs> as far as the energy I have. Okay. Because at that point, I'm like, okay, I have a solid demo track that's how i think of them okay a solid demo track and now i just need real musicians to come in there and put their flavor on it and and see if i can explore it more but at least those things on reverb nation are those kind of things where like this is a, a good skeleton of a pretty decent idea track. worth you know putting out there as a, as a resume really more than anything um and then see who i can get that thinks and hears music the way i hear it you know what i mean Right. So like so some of those tracks, you know and I I've written techno too. <laughs> techno. Yes, right. I've written like, you know, I'm I'm I was very much moved in the nineties by the whole jungle drum and bass scene. Cause again, and this is like a big theme with me. With everything I've done, I'm very in tune with the my dark soul. Let me just put it that way. I have a dark soul. Okay. So, I, I, and to give you an example of what I mean, we went and seen Vampire Weekend, I think was the name of the band. Okay. All right. Who was in that band? <laughs> Vampire Weekend. Oh, you're going to love this. So, Go ahead. 
couple of friends call up my wife and say, hey, we got tickets to go see this band, Vampire Weekend. She's like, who the hell are they? <laughs> and it's like, oh, you'll love it. She tells me, I'm like, ah, sounds cool, Vampire Weekend. Yeah, it can't be bad. So we go, it was in the city, and the whole time we're thinking Vampire Weekend, it's got to be like a gothic, it's got to be something, you know, think. I'm thinking like chicks in leather and whips and chains. Maybe not chicks. Yeah. Like Marilyn Manson or something. Yeah, like, Marilyn, I'm thinking like, yeah, let's, let's check this out, you know? And we get up there, we sit down, and the band comes on, and they're playing like this, like pop ska, like oh, stuff. Ska. That was like, and it wasn't so so much that it was pop ska. The style of music didn't bother me. It's very like, you know, like a West African, like you know, kind of skyish, poppy. It was the whole energy, and they were all wearing like these, you know. Um, alligators sweaters and and, really? and i'm looking around i'm like oh my god these are all a bunch of like preppy kind of yuppie not that i have anything really? against them but i was it was just way too happy <laughs> way too freaking like oh this is so great ah, ooh, yeah. really? and, and me and my wife were just like we must have been turning white <laughs> and and the couple next to us were exactly like us so there was like 12 of us or 10 of us that all went together and I'm looking at my other friends and like a couple of them were getting into it and I'm just looking at my wife I'm looking at this couple next to me and we're like what the hell is this <laughs> we literally walked out I had to walk out I just could not take first time <laughs> that kind of like upbeat. Prozac yeah Prozac. I don't know what it was so I mean and that's the thing it's like even when I talk of like techno or even when I talk of gab or anything like that, I'm always attuning with its darker side, its darker elements. Right. You know? So if you listen to something like. Um, My Bloody it, Valentine. Or who's what? that guy? A dead mouse. You know? Oh, yeah. He does this course I saw on how to record. Yes. yes. Use a recording studio and stuff or something. Go yeah, ahead. he has a whole master class. Yeah, on master yeah. class. That's it. That's well, where I know him from. Th- I, there's a couple of his tunes. Like there's one, uh, "Get Your Weapon" or something. Uh, I forget. "Raise Your Weapon." Check it out. And it's it's just so cool. And it has this like breakdown. This like um, I don't know what they call it anymore, but uh, this really cool breakdown on it. And and again, I'm I'm listening to like the underlying dark soul. That right. inspired that, <laughs> and I don't mean like evil, satanic in a way. It's just like, like minor you know, chords. Someone who's happy with their shadow side, you know. To me, that's important. Oh, their dark side, or like, their yeah. dark side. You know, this is not. This the is Star someone Wars. who's like very comfortable with all the ugliness that lies lurking in the depths of his being, and it doesn't affect them. Like to me, right. that's like the dark. And someone like that, I, I don't trust people. Who are low, overly happy. That's like my problem. Okay. Like, I, I just don't trust them. I don't trust someone who doesn't have a dark side. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're so hiding this, it. <laughs> they're, yeah. You know, they're, they're, usually they're overcompensating from my experience, you know? Right. So, for me, like, music has always had that underscore. And I think that was a great attraction, going back to what I do now, of bands like Iron Maiden and Sabbath. Black and Sabbath, Zeppelin. definitely. Black Sabbath, definitely. Even though they're mostly Christian, actually, when you look at the lyrics, but... At oh. the time, I was like, wow, listen to that tritone. That was like the tritone, the flat five, that Bach and all those people like were blowing the church's mind because it was like satanic and evil. Satanic. You know? <laughs> and then I made a number of the beats. I'm like, yes, I can relate. I can right. relate to this. And, and that's like the undercurrent. Like even, even, like even in the 70s, you, you might not realize it, but there's a lot of songs in the 70s that were pop hits and like they're not actually talking about happy stuff. Like Seasons <laughs> in the Sun. There was joy, joy. there was what fun. That's about a Vietnam, the Vietnam War. Oh, <laughs> I know that song. 
Dear Papa, It's Hard to Die. Terry something? What's yeah, I forget the guy's name. But listen to the okay. lyrics. He's not talking about I a happy even... subject. Right. It's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Uh-oh. Sorry. Okay. So, you know, I don't, and that's it. I mean, that's just like, you know, the underlying theme of like all the stuff musically for me, what's inspired me, what drives me. You know, and and what keeps me going in this crazy business? You know, why do I keep going out there playing the same songs with Into the Void and Sanctuary? Because it's it's like air to me. It's like, you know, this is what I breathe. This keeps me going. You know what I mean? And and, and as long as I keep doing that, and I'm hoping that when the studio downstairs is done, I'll be able to take all those little ideas that that I've posted already and use that as a springboard with, you know, like I said, there's a few people I have in mind that... uh, but we're all just waiting. You know, everyone's in multiple bands, so no one's in a rush. So for me, it's just like, get that studio done, and I plan on putting out, you know, hopefully some satisfying, you know, soul, soulful, uh, evocative, evocative stuff, you know? It seems like you're a gab or techno guy breaking out of, trying to break out of metal or something, or or mix it in the dark side. Or something. Not, I just see it all as like you know heavy. You know anything that's it's got to be heavy. It's got to be heavy. I'm just not. I'm not gonna do like you know Mary Poppins and you know Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer kind of music. <laughs> you know you're not gonna hear Four Seasons Paul Anka out of me. You know nothing uh, happy. Nothing. And, and no, not not well, that it's not, not happy. Not happy. You know, just nothing that's you know introspective or yeah. Well, yeah, I know, side. I know that that maybe at the uh, introspective. I don't know. No, maybe. Well, maybe it's the wrong word, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it, no, it's probably the right word. It's just that I wish there was another word to say. <laughs> but it's probably the right word, you know. So you played the Netherlands. That was an incredible show. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. That was any bad. weird things happen on stage or? <laughs> no, that one was actually pretty, uh, pretty normal. You know, it was just me, three other guys. I was actually the only musician because everything else was electronic. <laughs> like you computers. Know, um, <laughs> but the experience, and, and I, anyone that's if you've never traveled outside of the country, you have to. You absolutely have to. Right. I, 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 it's. I think it's a mandatory thing for every American to get out of himself to go out and see what other cultures are like. Oh, because it's kind of very eye opening, you know, to see how people see you as an American and how they live their lives. It's. It, I, I, so that was pretty cool, you know. So that was the Netherlands, yes. That was like late 90s or something. I forget, late 98 90. or something. Yeah. What did you play the M3 with that heavy metal concert? Yes, yes. We, uh, Sanctuary got lucky enough to, oh. to uh, uh, with the two other bands. There was like two stages. There was the main stage, which is where uh, Lucuna Coil, uh, Megadeth, and um, what's his face? Uh, White Zombie, Red Zombie, Black Zombie. Oh, whatever. Rob Zombie? Rob Zombie, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> so they were on the main stage. Rally. And... <laughs> But the pre-show was this other South Stage, as I call it. I don't know what the hell it was called, but there was like a Metallica band, there was us, and I forget who the other band was. That was awesome, though, because we had a good crowd, they loved us, um, and then we had like, you know, talk about feeling like a star, right? right? So we had, behind the main stage was like the backstage area, where everyone had access, all the big guys, okay. as well as us, and we had our own trailer, and there was a cooler full of beer and stuff. You know, wow. they had a, a whole, like, cooking area. Like, they had these guys cooking stuff up for people. It was right. really cool. We hung out. Actually, most of the band members all scattered. But me and my friend and my wife hung out. 
in that area. We watched the, sh- the show from like the sidelines. Right. And, and that was a highlight of like, one of the highlights of my career as a musician or whatever, as a fan of anything, you know, because I met uh, Chris Broderick as he was walking out. I met um, Johnny, uh, uh, Johnny, what the hell's his name? The guitarist from, um, from uh, Rob Zombie's. Oh, I don't know. Johnny, oh, Johnny. I'm sorry, Johnny, if you're out there. But yeah, that <laughs> guy. Uh, Rob Zombie he walked right past us. He was like, yeah, yeah, give me a minute. He never, he never came back. My wife hates oh. him ever since. Um, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, she, that's all she wants. She just wanted like a picture with Rob Zombie or something. you know. And he's like, no, 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 I'll be right back. Meanwhile, his uh, trail was literally 15 feet from us. You know? So yeah, that was... You know, Wait. You're a jerk, Rob. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> no, we'll never get to meet him. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> But uh, and then Dave Mustaine came out. Dave you know? Mustaine, okay. yeah, and, and I met uh, Dave, uh, the bass player, as well. They all came out. We all I got to shake all their hands. Ellison, yeah. Uh, all these guys came, and then Dave came out. I'm like, "Yo, Dave!" You know, I wow. stopped him. He's just like, "Ah, oh, you got me." Kind of like look on his face, and uh, that just made my day. That just made my year. Like that was great, you know. And that's the best. That's a, that's all I remember of M3. <laughs> How long ago was that? That was in 2012, actually. 2012. 2012 was actually a good year for Sanctuary. That's not that long ago, right? Okay, I'll run with that. (laughs) So that was definitely your musical highlight. Is there any musical highlight playing with someone that Uh, you could, you know, maybe famous or anything like that? uh, No, we've opened up. Like, I mean, I was in one band where we opened up for King's X. But, you oh, know, King's X. King's okay. X, I was really... And the guy was... the, the I forget his name. The tall... He's, what, 70-something years old. And they're coming out with a new album, too, from what I heard. Really? But he was salt of the earth. He's just like a really, really cool guy. So I got to met, meet some cool people. I met Eddie, uh, Eddie Money. I met his daughter. Oh, wait. Yeah, Eddie Money. So Eddie you Money. opened for him or you met him? We opened for him, yeah. I, I never got to play with any, any of these people. But oh, I did right. get to open him and I did get to meet him. And again, I was off the, the backstage watching the show. And actually... I couldn't believe that there was a lot of good Eddie Money songs. I'm sitting up there, like you know, in the in the balcony right above the stage, right. you know, like the backstage area, and I'm looking down. And I'm like, I know that song. Oh, I know that song. Oh, that's a good song. I was like, <laughs> oh man, like I I couldn't believe like there was so many yeah, songs. Twenty you know? or so, right? But you got it, and that's the thing. Like, if you're like just a closed-minded, you know, classic rocker, or just a closed-minded punk rocker, or just if that's all you know, you're cutting yourself off to so much. You know, and and I realized throughout the years, and like I said, and that's why I could appreciate sitting there watching Eddie Money and just getting into it. Like this is this is cool, man. Wow, I know that song. You know, besides the like two tickets to you know, there's a lot of of other songs that I was like, wow, I I I forgot he wrote. There is a lot. How long ago was this? Because he has a TV show. Did you ever see? Uh, When was that? His daughter was there because all his kids are in the band. Yeah, yeah. She 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 sang that night too. Uh, damn Damn. man. Maybe not. I want to say. 2010, 20, yeah. something like that. Man. Okay, yeah, well, that just came out. Real e- real money or something. Easy money. Did you ever see it? It's no, on I Access TV. It. No, I know what you're talking about. It's pretty good. It. Yeah. Yeah, his daughter, she probably was real young back then, I guess. She's like in, I think, her 20s now. Probably. Oh, really? She was that young then? Maybe. Oh, she yeah. might have been. <laughs> well, she sang good even then. I think she's a little older. She didn't. I don't remember her looking She that could be young. 30. I don't know. But yeah, I, I bet she's more like. 30 now or something maybe she looks young she didn't look like because if she if she's only 20 now that means she was only like 12 when we saw not her not 12 yeah probably <laughs> I don't think she was 12 she was up on that stage belted it out and, yeah what is your favorite venue to play that you have played actually 
<sighs> narrow that down or BB Kings was really cool oh where's that at it, well it's closed now unfortunately but oh. we, we played there a couple times in the, in the city uh, that was really cool and it wasn't just be, there's a lot more there's a lot to a place you know uh, as far as like the best place to like take pictures or video or play for a large audience Starland which will be in two weeks Starland so we're gonna That'll plug in that in two weeks we're gonna be there Starland which is in Sayreville New Jersey Sayreville as a matter of fact I'm playing with Void we're doing a set of Sabbath, and I'm playing with Sanctuary to do a set. Two bands. bands. Two bands, yeah. And I think the closer is uh, a Guns N' Roses uh, tribute, Appetite for Destruction. So, you know, if anyone still wants tickets, I'm sure you can reach out to any one of us in Void or Sanctuary. We got, you know, free passes. What date is that? To July 13th. What what day it's is Saturday. that? That's a Saturday. Yeah. Okay, what's that? What time does it start? Oh, I seven have no or idea. something. <laughs> Probably yeah. If you can get there at seven, yeah. Are you? You're th- we'll you're be there at like five or something to set up. You're the first opening act, the Black I, Sabbath? I forget. I don't, or remember you don't even know. I don't remember who's opening up. It's either Void or Sanctuary. I don't know. I think Sanctuary. I think Sanctuary might go on first, then And Void. then the Appetite. You're then probably Appetite. Black Sabbath. I would put them on last, I think. Well, it ain't up to me. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I'd say that's a really cool place to play. Um, the Chance Theater is, is actually a good place to play. Again, if you're talking about the size of the venue, playing in a large, you know, those are places. But, you know, I'm not crazy about that place. Um, right. Uh, we've played in Texas. We've played in, uh, we played in uh, Santo Domingo. Uh, oh, man, I don't know. I mean, so Sweet, you- Sweeties is cool. I like oh, Sweeney's, Sweeney's you know. in Philadelphia. We've played in bigger places, but Sweeney's is cool. I like the vibe there. I, I really like the Did vibe. Did you play House of Blues or something? Was it? That was that was down the shore. That was with an original band, House of Blues. I've played, like I said, many um, many bands, and, and you know, I've played like in all kinds of city, you know, venues. Like you know, uh, I don't know. I forget the names of all these places, but um, yeah, I've played in a bunch of them. So. Who do you listen to now musically? Do you, anybody uh, depends, depends on the mood I'm in. Um, anybody new or new? Like Godsmack or something? <laughs> I don't even know. No, that that wouldn't even be new anymore. Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, some of the known? bands that have that have inspired me. Let's let's take the last decade. Some of the bands that have, that have, have moved me have been like people like Killswitch Engage. Okay. Uh, Tool. Actually, they're older Tool. than that, but. Uh, and it's been way longer than that since their last freaking album. But uh, uh, every so often, like um, I'll hear something, but I never, I never ever get to jot it down who it is. But I, there's good music out there. There's definitely good music in all genres, you know. Um, but to nail, you know, it, it depends on the mood. Some days I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna listen to folk. Like at work, I listen to Elliot Smith sometimes. Elliot Smith is a right. guy from the. 90s. He died in 2004. Was a uh, New York folk singer who uh, who uh, stabbed himself to death uh, in 2004. But his music is hauntingly beautiful. Uh, and mm-hmm. then the next minute, I might be listening to Rainbow Deep Purple, Dio, uh, Maiden Sabbath, and then maybe you know if I move, I'll uh, put on some Kill Switch, Pantera, Opeth. So it really is. <laughs> 
Yeah, I've never so, been like. Yeah, as a matter of fact, one of the things that the reason I do this at work is because the guy listens to Q1043 every friggin' day from the morning until we get out of Q1043. there. Q1043. It's classic rock station. You're, right. you're going to hear the same Tom Petty song every day. You're going to hear the same <laughs> Billy Joel song every day. You're going to hear Joel. the same crap every day. This cashmere every day. And I love cashmere. that song. I love that song, but I just can't hear it. So I put my headphones on and I go through my my music collection on my phone, and just you know go through stuff or, or I'll listen to Pandora. So oh oh, as oh Pandora. My, um, you know who I actually hear here some bands. Uh, go ahead. Um, again, an older band, but uh, I've only recently rediscovered uh, Wolf Mother. Uh, oh yeah, Wolf Mother. Yeah, they. Uh, damn, I can't remember. They had a really famous song, uh, Something Woman. Uh, very ah damn it I'm so bad with names that's right <laughs> yeah but this is like late 90s or even or 2000s when they had this hit with this song but they've done stuff since then and I've listened to some of it and it's really freaking cool just good old like 70s rock inspired like grooviness and, and okay. bluesiness you know Crowbot um wow oh there's this other band they, they, they recently so had one of their songs in a commercial um and they sound very Zeppelin-ness. And I'm not talking about that Van Fleet band. Uh, I'm Greta not that Van Fleet? No. Van Fleet. What the hell is her name? Greta Van Fleet. Greta Van you like Fleet. Them? They're cool. When I first They're like heard really them, young. Yeah. When I first heard I was like, holy shit, they sound like Zeppelin. They do sound exactly. Yeah, very Almost. much. And then I listened some more and I'm like, oh, you know what? They sound too much like Zeppelin. <laughs> A little too much, but that's all we got. <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. But no, there's other bands. If I can remember the name, I'll, I'll give it, you know, I'll, I'll email you. I, I, I have it. And like, they got some really cool... They sound like Zeppelin, but they don't sound like Zeppelin. They have the vibe of okay. Zeppelin. You the know, they have the like. tone, but it's still strictly their own thing. Right. And that's what I appreciate. Like, whereas Greta Van Fleet, it just sounds like Zeppelin. Yeah, you know the I mean? singer, right? How he it's the singer, it's the chops, plant. it's the way it's recorded, all of it. Just and, do a little acoustic parts in there. Yeah, too, I yeah. mean, maybe I should give it another listen. I mean, I hate to be that way about any band, but yeah, but that's my my takeaway from it. Um, a witch. There was a band called Witch, witch. back in the day. Very like <laughs> blue cheer, friggin'. Sabbathy, like super sludgy, like fuzz face on the guitar. Like so, there's stuff out there. There's definitely stuff out there. Every so often, something refreshing comes along. You just gotta, you know, Pandora is good for that. Sirius Radio is good for that. I just don't, I just don't write it down like I should. You know, right. I, every so often I'll remember a name or two, and that's how I remember Kill Switch Engage when I first heard it. I loved it. You know, uh, uh, you know, um, and that's how that's how I, you know, Opeth. You know, Opeth, right, when right. I first heard Opeth, it blew my mind, and and I and I actually wrote it down, and I looked them up on YouTube, bought a few albums, downloaded. I'm like, yeah, this is cool, you know. But um, I don't know, man. You know, most of the time, after I get home from work, if I don't, if I'm not just chilling out watching TV with the wife after dinner and everything, we just kind of chill out. You know, I'm very domesticated now. <laughs> okay. When I'm not doing that, it's I just I, I go over songs for the next show. You know, right. I'll spend two days, two nights, three nights going over, you know, especially like the Sabbath. Because, I mean, you got the C-sharp stuff, the drop tuning stuff. Yeah. You usually do have one set full of that. So I spend one night going over that. Next night, I'll go over all the E-standard stuff. I'll spend the whole night. And then the third night, I'll just touch up on those little points. And then take a day off, and then it's Saturday, and we go and do the show. So that's kind of my routine. And, and, you know, and I generally, like I say, play maybe three, four times a, a month. 
on average, two to three, four, whatever. Right. So I don't really sit there and, and listen to a lot of stuff except, you know, when I'm at work or, or you know. Um, so it's a shame, but I know that that's my approach now is, you know, look in different places. You're not going to hear anything new on Q104.3. You no. know what I mean? <laughs> so I, no. I, I reach out to Pandora and Sirius? things like that. Liquid Metal, do you ever listen yeah, oh to Oh, yeah, Sirius, yeah. My wife's got Sirius, I don't. <laughs> Wait, that doesn't sound fair. <laughs> you no, know, it isn't, but whatever. It's her car. <laughs> Came with the car, right? <laughs> yeah. So what's the last concert you were at? Do you go to concerts at all? Uh, what was the last concert I was at? Oh, I remember uh, Spirit of Dio, I think it was, at the Chance Theater. Spirit of Dio. It's yeah, so uh, uh, Tipper, Tipper Robbins, oh, Ripper, Ripper Owens was singing, um... And so, and like some of the uh, some the rest of the band was made up of people who played with Dio, and it was oh. all like Dio's. It was all Dio, Rainbow Dio, Sabbath Dio, or, and solo Dio stuff. And actually, it was a really great show. I loved it. They did they did Stargazer. They did friggin' Man on the Silver Mountain. Oh, they wow. did Holy Diver. You know, they did all like the great stuff. And and right. I, I think that was I think that's the last concert I've been to. I'd have to ask my wife, but I'm pretty sure that was that was like last year sometime. You know, I would like to go uh, see Maiden this year. It's just that I don't think we have the budget for. It. I mean, prices mm-hmm. for shows are just ridiculous now. Yeah, they you know? absolutely are. And and it, and it ain't worth it to me. Like I've done it before. You know, it's sitting in the nosebleeds for bands. I'm just like, you know what? I'm not into that. I want to be somewhat decently close. I'll tell you this much: the last show that I absolutely, absolutely loved, and I'm so glad I finally went to see, was Soundgarden. Oh. Um, really? Just when they were coming back around, what was that, like seven years ago? I forget. Yeah. Something like probably. that. And and I'd always lamented throughout the years that, because they broke up at one point, and I always lamented, damn, I never got to see Soundgarden. You know, that's like saying you love Sabbath, but you never seen Sabbath. You know, that's what it was equal to me. Right. And I've seen Sabbath a few times, a handful of times, but I didn't get to see Soundgarden. And I'm like, damn, man, that sucks. And then when I heard that they were coming back together and... And they did like some soundtrack work for this movie, and they had a new album. I'm like, I'm, which I don't care what it costs, we're gonna go see him. Right. And we seen him at uh, in Newark at the uh, Prudential Center or whatever it was. Okay, Prudential Center, right? Yeah, okay. I think that's called. I don't know. I'm bad with names. I think so. Yeah. And oh my God, he just tore the roof off that place. So that was probably my last really really fun show to see. But I think the last one was Dio. Yeah. You know. Did you see um, Sabbath when Ozzy got back? Like, was that not year this time or two around? Year? Nah, I seen I seen them with Ozzy. I've seen I've seen Sabbath with three different singers: Dio, Gillen, and Ozzy, and Ozzy twice. Uh, and that's it. You know. Well, that's pretty Actually, good. Actually, and, and Dio twice now that I think. I seen the Heaven and Hell tour too. So yeah. Yeah, you're a big Sabbath fan, right? Well, I'm poor, man. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> you're poor. You um, so what's your day job actually? <laughs> uh, not that exciting. Uh, I, I'm into electronics. Oh wait, then you uh, study recording or oh, uh, you went to Rats or something? Was that? I went to Rats. Wow, okay. you really what, what, you, you you really looked this shit up, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, all day. <laughs> yes, I went to Rats back in I don't know late '90s or something. Uh, okay, lots changed. <laughs> yeah, no, well, you know, I'm not one. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm a I'm a changeling. You know what I mean? I right. I, I I don't have a good history of sticking to one thing for super long. Right. But uh, electronics has always been a love of mine since the early '90s, 
And I and like I said, the nineties were a big blur. By the time I got my head wrapped around reality again, right. I went back to school and that started pretty much from two thousand on a career in either electronics and then for a good while computers and yeah. now I'm back into electronics again and I absolutely love it. Um Okay, good. Yeah. That's all there is to say about that. That's all there is to say about <laughs> that. It's only a job. Do you have kids? Or no? no kids. I have six cats. Those Six cats, where well, they're almost like kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they require a lot of care, right? <laughs> oh, no, they, they, Six. they do. They definitely do. And they definitely do. And they're a lot easier than dogs, you know. Uh, we would have dogs, but uh, it'll be a little much right now. And we didn't even plan on having, like, all these cats. We're foster fails. I think I was telling you that before. Right, the yeah, rescue So we cat. ended up with three more than we planned on because they were just too damn cute and cuddly. And we couldn't give them up, and that's all there is to it. <laughs> that's all there is to it. So what, um, describe your gear. What do you um, like oh. using? So my present set of articles, implements. <laughs> um, so I have a, a Heritage Les Paul. If you don't know what Heritage is, basically Gibson back in the day, I forget exactly what the story is, but they, they split into two companies. One stayed with the name Gibson in Kalamazoo or something, okay. or, or, or Nashville, and the other one went to, Cal- I don't know, and became Heritage. So it's basically Les Paul. They made some slight different changes because they, cause they didn't want to keep the same thing. Right. And that was like my first guitar when I got back onto the scene, like around 90s or something, I bought that guitar. Um, I have a Warmoth-based Strat. So basically, Warmoth is a company that makes bodies and necks. And and then you can add whatever hardware you want. And me and my friend put that one together. It's basically a Strat with a Floyd Rose. Great, great, great guitar. Uh, I use it just about all the time with the Sanctuary. Um, when I was in the ACDC band back in the mid-2000s, uh, I had my friend build me an SG. Uh, brown-ish uh, SG. Great guitar, but it's been having a lot of electronics problems for a while. So you, don't, you'll, you rarely ever see me play that. Um, mm-hmm. And I have two Gibson SGs, proper Gibson SGs, a white one and a black one, which I use exclusively with Void all the time. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. And I have another, like, hand-built guitar that's kind of like a PRS, Hamer-ish kind of, like, weird mix. Um, and, they, and I got two other electric guitars, like, in, in disrepair somewhere in the house that I one day might get around to. I got, like, an Ibanez. I got an eight-string or seven-string somewhere. Sorry. Uh, acoustics, mandolins, and just a couple other, you know. But as far as those guitars, those are my main axes that I usually. Right. And I use Marshall amps, you know. Exclusively. Pretty much. I have a Mezza Boogie. I've used it a handful of times, but I guess I'm just a Marshall guy. You know, I, I use the Mega. I'm not, I, sorry. I use the Mezza Boogie with the Megadeth band. Okay. Because I, I, I wanted that extra edge that extra guttural you know scooped mid kind of sound so i use that with the megadeth band but pretty much with everything else i use marshalls right do you have any uh, hobbies other than music or uh. <laughs> it's a weird question right <laughs> no it, it's not weird at all it, it's just that you know I, i'm just a weird person i i i, <laughs> I like I, i'm one of those people that just like wants to touch everything wants to you know i i was my mom tells me when I was a kid, like, I, I, I was just, like, an explorer. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, 
you couldn't keep me away from things. You know, I just like to t- I'm a tinkerer. So I, I'm building a, a Plexi right now, a Marshall Plexi. I've built a couple of apps from kids before. So now I'm building a Plexi. That will be my next Marshall because I want that friggin' Plexi sound. That's all there is. Anyone out there who knows what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I've built tons of little, you know, uh, guitar effects. So electronics is a big hobby of mine. Right. Um, woodworking is something I've been struggling to, to do more of. Hmm. Uh, actually, those are probably the, the two big ones right now that I've been kind of like... Those are the things that I wish I had more time for. Put it that way. You know, if I had more time, more free time that I wasn't... You know, if I wasn't working and I wasn't going over songs and gigging, you know, that's what I'd probably be doing. I'd probably be tinkering with some electronics right. or or woodworking. I actually have a guitar kit that I'm I, I need to put together. You know, so I I, I like doing things with my hands, um, and YouTube. <laughs> if YouTube. there's such a thing as a hobby for YouTube, YouTube would be my other hobby. <laughs> What starting a channel or a no? Just just watching, watching YouTube. YouTube. I just lo- I I I'm a sieve, man. You you. I don't care if it's a lecture on radiology or quantum physics or, you know. I I just I, I, you know when I got the time, I'm like that sounds interesting, and I'll click on it, and I'll just be, get all absorbed into it. Two hours later. <laughs> yes, hours hours. Actually, the the one thing I've been listening to is uh, this guy Robert Sp- Stapolsky or so whatever. He's a he's a professor from Stanford. Okay. And he, 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 his whole class, they videotaped it. So it's like 25 two-hour <laughs> sessions, lectures, where he teaches basically human behaviorism and biology and all the neuroscience and throws it. Okay. And I'm just like so... And I'm sitting there like fascinated, dude. It's just like amazing how all the hormones... And, and that's kind of... So if, if there was such a thing as a hobby of YouTube, right. I have it. That's my other hobby. Do you ever watch Jordan Peterson? He's another one of the guys. Uh, Psychologist. You know, for a minute, I, I, I did. For a minute, I did. But only for his psychological knowledge. Right. Because he's a psychology teacher. He is. Everything yeah. else, all nah. Political crap. Yeah, right. all that other stuff, nah. But his yeah. psychology lectures, okay. Because that's what he does. You know? That's his uh, yeah, but, background, yeah. Yeah. No, he's... I like what the one guy says. He's basically... He's a uh, a guru for all the uh, frustrated twenty somethings who can't get laid. <laughs> that probably could be it. Yeah, that, that, that's what it is, man. It's like help me, <laughs> help me, and he makes them feel strong then that they could do it. Don't feel just, so bad. You're really in charge, and yeah, yeah, get the fuck out of here. Just get the hell out there and talk to somebody is what I think. <laughs> it's like now they just. They're on these apps all the time trying to date women, isn't that's the main yeah, thing? That's, that's all that. Yeah, it's not my world. I, I don't. I never they understood it. They don't go up to people. It's true. Yeah. It's weird. Well, a lot of things have changed. You got to remember. I mean, I, again, you seem to be roughly my age, right? Yes. So then you remember what it was like to like have to go actually outside of your door, right? Walk a couple of blocks and knock on your friend's door, or even, or if you were really lazy, pick up the fucking phone and dial some numbers. <laughs> you know, actually, like use your finger and go around in a circle and remember wait for them. It to come back and then go around another time for each number. It's like, yeah, you know, I remember TVs that had antennas on them when I was real little, like. There was only 13 channels and maybe right. and 21. There's channel 21 or something. 3, 6, 10, 12, 
29, there was 11, there was 13, there was a 21. 23, you had like public TV. Yes, yes. That's it. That's all we had. That's all we had. That's a, that's and I remember at like 2 in the morning, the screen would just be a blank, you know, static thing. You know, or that, uh, no, the, I remember one station was like, they had the, the flag, you know. The flag at the end, and they had this Beatles song, Good Night, I remember. Something, yeah, right, right. Now and then. It, <laughs> you know that song, what's on Abbey Road or something? Yes, yes, yes. They would play that. That was the last thing. That was it, and then the and lights out. It. There was nothing on until like 5 o'clock. Or yeah, and that room. would be Gumby. Gumby <laughs> or uh, Sesame Street, or one of them. Things. Yes, yes. It's like... Oh my God! No, there was another. Not Gumby. There was a. Uh... Oh, Captain Noah. <laughs> no, that's what is it? Captain Noah. Do you remember like that kind yeah, of? Yeah, that stuff? sounds familiar too. Yeah, but that came on at seven, I think. But you might have. Oh whatever! Those kind of... just, all these like yeah, it was great. Seventies were great. They were great. What? So, what's your favorite song to play live? It's probably a Sabbath song, right? Well, as far as Sabbath. And in our repertoire at the moment, because <laughs> there's some extensive. songs that we haven't done yet that I'm dying to do, John. Uh, <laughs> many. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, the good old standards. War Pigs is, is always friggin' awesome to play. Uh, Fairies, eh, I've done that a million times. Um, Iron Man is always really fun to uh, Into the Void, actually. Right. It would have to be Into the Void. When I Definitely. think about it, Into the Void, I mean, there's a lot of them that I enjoy, but... That one, and that's why the band is called Into the Void because that song is just so epic. You know, it's just so it gets you right in the gut, man. Did, right you, in the gonads. Na- did you name the band? No, 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 not at all. Yeah, There's the the band existed before I got in it. So yeah, did there was yeah there was um, another lead singer right before? Yeah, they've been through a bunch of people, right? Uh, well, a couple people, but yeah, 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 no, you'd have to ask Tom. He would he would give you more of a breakdown, but yeah, they've had a couple singers, and uh, a couple guitarists, and a couple basses, and yeah, again, that's what it is to be in a band. <laughs> Over the years, changes happened. Uh, as far as Maiden, what would be my favorite Maiden song to play? Huh, Number of the Beast probably. Yeah, Number of the Beast. You know, uh, and again, I'm sizing this up not by what I'm playing, like what the chords or the melodic structure or any of that nonsense. I'm just going by like, what a great friggin' song, man. You know, and Number of the Beast, you know, to me is like, I mean, I do like Phantom of the Opera as far as Maiden. But uh, yeah, it's hard. I mean, but yeah, as far as the Void, Into the Void for sure, man. Into the Void. Uh, we've been doing, um, what the hell's the name of that song? Uh, Wheels of Confusion. So that's been really fun. Right. Um, Killing Yourself has become one of my Killing favorites yourself. to play. Killing Yourself to Live has become one of my favorites to play. Uh, just so much. I mean, we're, we're going to be doing, hopefully, The Writ. And I can't wait to do that. Okay. Yeah, that's just like, uh, that's one of my up there, like, top three, like, Sabbath songs of all time. Uh, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. If Hopefully, we'll get to do that song. You know, we've rehearsed it, but we just haven't put it in the set yet. And that okay. just—that's another one, like epitome of metal, right there. Like that's right. that's the—that's it, man. That's metal. You gotta <laughs> have that one, right? <laughs> yeah. So I can't wait to do that one. Hopefully soon. Um, yeah. What do you think your big musical break was when you're becoming a musician? 
Do you think there is one? Uh, no. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't gotten a break yet, man. You're, you're still waiting? Still waiting. I, it's just been, it's been, um... I mean, you've been through, you've done a lot of things. You've oh, been I've been in, I've been in like close to 30 bands over the years. Some, 30 bands? Yeah, some very short-lived, some looked like they were going to do something and then it fall apart. I've been in more disasters than I've been in, in successful bands. Do you have any disaster stories that you could tell us? Uh... <laughs> nah, not off the top of my head, man. Just again, it's it's always personalities, personalities, and uh, and again, once I, I became sober, then that became another issue. Like you know, once I I, I uh, attained some sober time, I can't play with people who want to bring a bottle of Jack or a six pack to rehearsal. Like you know, it's yeah. one thing to have a beer or two, but two three hours from now, you're gonna be a fumbling idiot, and I don't want to be around that. You know, right? What I mean? No more. So things changed on that level over the years too, you know, because um, I got sober in you know mid nineties, late nineties. Uh, so that's quite a while. So I've dealt with a lot of funny stuff, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's nothing, man. I mean, you know, it's it, it, it's these are the things that are going to improve your character in the long run. <laughs> Dealing with you know the BS, the drama, the politics. And it's all good. So you play better sober, I'm sure, right? Uh, or maybe I think not. so. <laughs> you think so? I have to go back and check the tapes. Or no, something. there there was one time I actually remember one time way back then before I got sober, and uh, me and my my friend, you know, asked me to go hang with him and his um, relatives out in I don't know one of these lakes, uh, Lake Apacon or something like that. Okay, and uh, you know. There was a bar that we always went to. Uh, I forget it, and uh, and I'm sitting there pounding them back, man, just pounding them back. It was open mic night. Oh, <laughs> and I'm pounding them. I'm pounding them. I'm just looking to get ripped. And then my friends, and then I hear my name. He's like, "Oh yeah, I put you on the list. Go, up, you gotta go up and play." I'm like, "What? What?" <laughs> I'm like, "Oh man!" And I get up there. They hand me a guitar, and I'm like, "Okay." Uh, Let's do a blues and G. Yeah, one, two. Oh, man. I thought I sounded great. Really? <laughs> well, no, but I do remember the guy saying, the bass player saying, that was really cool, man. You're ripped and everything, but that just sounded cool. I just did a blues. I just let it all in. Again, I was trying to... Uh, I was trying to channel Hendrix. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was channeling Hendrix. And, and, you know, Hendrix was mostly screwed up most of the time on stage. And that's what I was doing. I was like, well, got to roll with it, man. Stevie Ray. When he first came out, was ripped as hell on stage all those years before, you know. know <laughs> so you know, there's something to be said about that. But yeah, I would think that uh, I, I'm, I'm much more better, at least a little more on point now than it was, you know, back in the day. <laughs> so where do you go from here? Are you gonna um, just play in the um, tribute bands? But you're gonna be recording, you think? Well. The tribute bands, I don't see any anytime soon. Um, as far as the originals, yeah, that's been on my on my list of things to do for years now. Uh, and uh, as you see, we've only been in this house for two years. Uh, okay. So about three years ago is when everything kind of got put on hold. You know, and that's why I haven't put anything new on Reverb Nation. I haven't even sat down and really tried to write anything. So it's, everything's been pretty much on hold now that we're we're here. You look around, this is all new. I mean, we did a lot of work in the house and stuff, you know, a okay. lot of work. Looks good. Um, so, slowly but surely, now, 
I'm building up the basement. So I'm hoping that's going to be a big focus, you know. And I got a, I met a couple of really great players, really great people over the years, mostly from the tribute bands, you know, because each one of them has, like I said, multiple. We've been to many guys and all that. And hopefully that'll be something I put out there within the next, hopefully, year, no more than two, you know, depending on the budget. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, as long as I can play, uh, I'm, I'm going to be out there playing. I love playing in front of people. Like, Do you write so. lyrics, too, or... I've tried. I'm not very good. You try. At so you... I'll try again. Whenever, when I finally do get, oh, the cats are hungry. It's all right. <laughs> when I do finally get the studio done and, and start like writing and get those juices flowing, I'm gonna attempt writing lyrics again. I've I've done it in the past, but again, I've always focused. On, like I said, most of, most of the guys that I grew up with, the one guy in particular, my friend Joe, voracious writer. Like I showed him a couple of chords and he ran with it. You know, and, and like he he has notebooks and no, he's one of those kind of guys. Oh, you know, right. just he can just write. You know, I'm not that guy. Okay, <laughs> you know, but uh, like I said, I mean, when the day comes, I have no problems calling up somebody and say, "Dude, uh, you want to sing and write some lyrics?" I have no problem with that. You know, I, I I'm a musician. Uh, you know. Like I said, I mean, I listen to instrumental music. I listen to Bach and Beethoven, like when when the moment strikes. Uh, I listen to jazz fusion, you know, whatever. The, so I, lyrics don't hold sway over me as much as it does other people. I love a good lyric. Don't get me wrong. Right. But if the music's not there, it really doesn't matter what the lyrics are saying to me. You're influenced by movie soundtracks or something. I read. Too. Yes, very much. Um, Going back to the whole classical, one of the things that inspired me to really look into classical was actually the commercial for Brigantine Castle. Really? Brigantine <laughs> Castle in the early 70s, they used to have a commercial, and it was the Toccata and Fugue in D minor by Bach. Oh, right. And I remember as like a five, six-year-old watching this commercial and like, Brigantine Castle, you know, right. was a scary kind of guy talking, and that music <laughs> in the background, I'm like, wow, what is that? But yeah, things like that inspired me. You know, uh, The Exorcist, The Omen. Oh, The Omen, The Exorcist. <laughs> you know, uh, that tune, you know. Um, oh, dan, dan, dan. It's Tubular Bells. Tubular Bells. You ever hear the long version of it? Them playing uh, it live? You said it was a hit or something. It was a hit. And it's like seven minutes long. It has a lot of different pieces and it comes back in, in and out. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a great piece of music necessarily. It's just pretty wild because for 1971 or whatever, like they were pretty progressive right. in a weird way. You know what I mean? So yeah, soundtracks. Damn. Absolutely, man. I'm a very visual guy. You Too know. Many. And when you Clockwork Orange, I have to I have to bring up Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange. 1988 or something. 1987, 86. Who knows when it was. You know, I'm barely 21 years old, barely 20 years old, and me and my friends would go to the H Street Playhouse in the city at midnight on a Thursday night. They had a Thursday night midnight. It was a midnight, midnight movie, like Rocky Horror. Rocky Horror on Saturdays. and So made the same. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and all that. It was the midnight movie, and on Thursday night, they played A Clockwork Orange, and we would go there high as a kite, tripping <laughs> our faces off, and just sit there and watch 
Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange. I've heard people say it's a silly movie. They don't get it. Well, you weren't high as a kite when you saw Crazy. it. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it absolutely blew my mind. You know, there's, there's Beethoven music in it. And there's that whole darkness again. Are you Definitely. familiar with Clockwork Orange? Uh, somewhat. I thought it was very weird. <laughs> it's a very... It's, a vi- it's based on a book. holding his eyes open. Yeah, they're holding his eyes open while, to, and make watch him watch stuff. like Nazi flicks and all like violent flicks. And he realizes Beethoven is playing in the background. The Ninth Symphony. And, he, and that's where like the thing happens. I'm not going to give the movie away, but it blew <laughs> my mind. Because again, for me, I'm a very visual person. I'm a very auditory person. Music touches me deep deep down inside music touches me deep deep down inside but when you put it with like extraordinary visuals you know right star wars star wars music the star wars you you couldn't imagine other music than star wars true you know the good the bad and the ugly i couldn't Uh, imagine nothing else would have worked you know and so on and so on and so on you know Ten Commandments. I mean, Ten Commandments. Platoon. You ever? Platoon. Oh like my God. One. You know, or even even the uh, uh, what you call it? Um, Apocalypse Now. The Doors. Oh, yeah. The end. You know, with all that, all the the, the whole yeah. Vietnam satisfaction War blowing up in like dramatic fashion. No. Oh Remember yeah, that? there's that that's and the scene. boat and you did it on the boat. Now that's <laughs> that's a cool scene. So yeah, absolutely sound. Because here's the thing, I, I mentioned techno before. I don't know how All much right, time. I, I, I'm probably going on and on and on. Now we're right where we should be. Okay, so I I, I, I like techno, and the only reason I got into tech, I, I like the music, you know. But maybe a little short backstory. My sister slept in the room across from me when I was still living at home, and she mm-hmm. was much younger than me, and she was into the house music at the day. It was like 19 late 80s or something, whatever it was, and I couldn't stand it. I could because all I heard from being in the bedroom, you know, with the door closed, bed. All I heard was like that boom, boom, boom. Was that drum? She's using tonight the hard house stuff. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, oh my god, I hate this. Anyway, a couple of years later, me and, and my friend Joe, uh, who I talked about before, the voracious writer. Okay. We're in the city and we're up in uh, Central Park again, high as a kite, just wandering <laughs> around, hugging trees, whatever. And these kids come up and they ask us for directions. And like two friggin' idiots were like drawing lines in the sand, not making any sense, garbling <laughs> about, I think 40 seconds that way, blah, blah, blah. And these kids got a kick out of it. They got such a kick out of it that they were like, hey, man, you guys want to go to a raid or an outlaw? I forget what they said. We're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so we went to some rave somewhere. And again, oh, wow. up until this point, like, I'm not a fan of this music, you know? Right. But we go there and. You know, at my first initial reaction was like, oh, man, they're all teeny boppers. You know, they were younger kids. Okay. We're already like, whatever, 20. 20-something. But I just, all of a sudden, like, my knees started moving. <laughs> my body started gyrating, and I was off to the races. And, and, and I understood it. I finally understood it. You know, like, and I, I, I don't know, maybe this is too weird and heavy, but I finally understood it. It's not that it's monotonous. It's entrancing. Right. You know what I mean? When you, it allowed, what I figured out, the way I explained it to myself at the time and to this day really is like, it allows me to cut off my conscious analytical mind. Where okay. like I'm thinking about chords and melodies and structure and verse, chorus, and like just blow all that out of the water and just feel the rhythm. 
Feel the melody in right. the beat. Just go with it. And just let it keep sinking in deeper Think, and deeper. Not like, even thinking about it. Not even thinking about it. Like, a, 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 like an onion. Every layer coming off, it gets deeper, deeper and deeper into your soul. Until, like I said, I was just doing like these crazy Native American moves, <laughs> bouncing all over. But, and, and that was it. And I understood it. And, and so when I got into recording in about 2000, I finally got a computer. I bought Cubase, like I said. Cubase. And one of the reasons I did that is because, like, by then I was kind of like fed up of uh, most of the musicians I was dealing very unreliable or dead or junky, strung out, whatever it was. Um, I'm like, I'm gonna, I gotta do this on my own. Um, so yeah, watch the laptop. So, um, so I got the computer and I got a little, you know, it came with some synths, and I'm fiddling around with like Moog sounds. Oh, okay. And, you know, Jupiter 5 sounds and, like, you know, Prophet synthesizer. I'm like, wow. Because right Dang away, me. it took me to Clockwork Orange. Right away, it took me to Brigantine. Right away, it took me to all those soundtrack sounds of the 70s. And I couldn't help it. And now being exposed and understanding, you know, what the trance music world, the drum and bass of the 90s, I'm like, oh, let, me, let me see if I can do that. And I just had a blast. And I totally had a blast. And, and and now going back to what I was initially started on this, the visual element was always there. And I'm trying to connect it to I don't know if I'm doing a good job of it. But the visual element was... So like, for example, I wrote this one like little techno piece, like five, six minutes long. Right. And I envisioned, as I'm writing it, I'm envisioning, like, here's the beat. And this represents like the earth, Gaia, Mother Earth, whatever. I, you know, I don't want to get too woo or nothing. But that's kind of what I was picturing and here's the, the 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 chords and the melody that's like the population the people of living out and then there's a one melody that rises above it and that's like the one individual the one person struggling you know what i mean struggling crying out to god or whatever it is you believe in and i and as soon as like my brain started doing that i'm like wow this is actually pretty friggin' intense you know what i mean and again you block out all that stuff when you're listening to techno, but yet it's actually, I think, somewhat in there. So when I listen to a really good trance track, a European, like, good trance track, all right. that's running through my head. I'm picturing, like, just so many things while my body is doing so many crazy movies, which I can't do anymore, by the way. Because, but, <laughs> you know, so, again, it's, that's the one thing about me and music is like is that deep connection really touching you personally really touching you deeply and and as long as that's there i really don't care what style of music it is i don't care what we're playing as long as there's that depth to it as long as there's something real and honest about it and again going back to void and sanctuary the reason i'm still with them guys is because those people that are there to see us like i said in the beginning are true void and, and maiden fans and are truly connecting to those songs Whereas if I was in some generic top 40 band like I was for eight years at one point, it was meaningless to me. And it didn't matter how much you paid me at the end of the night, it was meaningless. Whereas now, like, you know, if we have a bad night and, and, and the bar owners screw us at the end of the night, eh, whatever. You know what? I, I connected to a bunch of kids, you know, and they're going to walk home tonight, you know, lift it up for, for one moment. Right, so I mean, you do your best that show. They come out to see you, and they give up their time because I interviewed this other guy. He's the same way as you. He wants to put a good show. They specifically came out to see you. They could be anywhere else, and that's he feels the same as you. you know? That's that's the goal. Yeah, and that's that's the way it should be. Absolutely.
Okay, so um, Ivan, I want to thank you for coming on. No problem, man. So we can see you guys. You're going to be at the Starlight Ballroom. At Starland Ballroom. Starland Ballroom. Starland Ballroom. Sorry. It's in Sayreville, New Jersey. Uh, if, you, if you go to the Into the Void website, uh, I'll give you the links. I, I think it's intothevoid.com. Intothevoid.com. Or intothevoidtribute.com, I think, actually. Well, whatever. I'll give you the links, and you can always put, put this on uh, when you put it up. And that, the calendar there will show, will show you uh, the address, Starland. Like I said, it's in Sayreville. Uh, and like I said, I'll also be there with Sanctuary, and we do have uh, plenty of free passes. If anyone's still interested, you know, just uh, reach out to any one of us on Facebook or whatever. Uh, Sanctuary and Into the Void are both on Facebook. I'm on Facebook. Uh, I actually have Facebook. my own page and a musician page. For for some reason, like you mentioned Reverb Nation. <laughs> Reverb Nation yes, too for some samples of your yes. like, original stuff. So yeah, the Reverb Nation, and I think it goes under my name again. I'll. I'll, I'll it I'll, is Ivan Cisternus. I already tried it. All right. Okay. So yeah. So if you go there, you'll see I have like six or seven and like, a bio and all that. Yeah, too. it's got a bio which I probably should update. Um, so yeah, I got several pages. Uh, the Facebook thing is supposed to be connected to my Reverb Nation, but for some reason, it never really connects to my musician page. I have like a regular Facebook page, and I have a band page, but for some reason, the Reverb Nation is always flaking on me. But there's yeah, I have plenty of ways, and um, you know what? I'm hoping within the coming year, I'll finally get the studio downstairs uh, built and uh, maybe start putting some sort of like YouTube kind of thing out there. Uh, so there'll be more to come. Uh, definitely be more to come. Uh, there's even a couple other uh, directions I might go uh, with some other musicians. So, you know, there's definitely more to come. The story's not ending. Not at all. Right. So we're going to be looking forward to some of that stuff. I'll post anything I can, whatever you come with, come up with. And um, so check your Facebook page and your fan page, and that's about it. And thanks for coming on, all no, right? Thank you, man. Hope this was uh, entertaining. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Bye.